Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, what's up, Elizabeth Dutton? Hey, Saren Burnett. You know, I got a question for you. You ready? Mm-hmm. You know what's ridiculous? I do. Oh, I had one answer. You, you, no, go you tell me I want to go. I want to go first. Please, no, what, what's ridiculous? 1870s. How is 1870s ridiculous? Everything was ridiculous. That's pretty no. true. In 1870s, uh-huh. in Belgium, uh-huh. they tried to train domestic cats to deliver the mail. <laughs> I bet that was a frustrating exercise. It's ridiculous. They put waterproof bags on their necks. How big were the bags? Like three And then they envelopes? took them out to the countryside. Uh-huh. And they let miles away. Uh-huh. And they let them go. <laughs> and they came home. All of them made it home within 24 hours. Wow. But here's the thing. Like, how is that going to deliver the mail? And If yeah. you're like, I need this letter. Let me put it on the cat and drop the cat in the woods. And then when it comes back to me, I have the letter that I sent. Were they just like really impressed with St. Bernard's? And they're like, we can, we got to expand this. Or if I want to send you a letter, I go to your house. I steal your cat. Yeah. <laughs> I bring it home. I tie something to its neck. I'm like, why Why didn't I take it over in the first place? That's pretty much how carrier pigeons worked. It's ridiculous. It is straight up ridiculous. Yeah. The cat's part is the part that I'm like, look, out of all the animals you have around here. That's the wild that's card. That's the least likely. I would rather train goats to that's bring the, the mail. That's the wild card in this. The ridiculous wild card. Straight So you, you have something ridiculous? Oh, girl. 
No. That's a good one. The end. Thanks. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's been a podcast about... <laughs> it's a shorty. It's a short week. Super shorty, bro. Mm -hmm. No, actually, I do have one for you. Okay. Are you in the mood for the story of a man who began no. a career in... Oh, okay. Well, pretend <laughs> he's not a man. He is a, a, a talking dog. He's a human dog. being. Go but, ahead. So would you like a story of a talking dog mm -hmm. who began his career in the 19th century, which apparently you're so fond of, and back then he was robbing stagecoaches. He ended his criminal career in the 20th century. By then, he had moved on to robbing trains. Oh, okay. Yeah. This change in technology didn't really stop him, but he didn't really concern himself with all that because his victim stayed the same. He had the exact same person he was the trying same to get. Same guy, same person over and over again? No, he was all about corporations. He wanted to rob only corporations. Oh, yes. okay. He's a folk hero everyone should know about. Yes. I'm going to tell you a story today. Thank you. <laughs> This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast <laughs> about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. You calling the game today? <laughs> I am, right? I'm a little, a little fired up. Now, today, I want to tell you the tale of a new favorite of mine, the folk hero, Bill Miner. Bill Miner. Yes, he was okay. a man. He was bound by a simple code. He had two rules, just two. He never killed anyone, and he never robbed from the poor. He only ever robbed corporations. Mm. He was like an American Robin Hood. Yeah. All right? I've never killed anyone, and I don't rob from the poor. You have so the exact kind of same basically code. basically him. You're basically a full cure outlaw. Yeah. Yeah. So get on it, because he was a very effective one. Have okay. You, how many times have you been arrested? Mm, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, well, he spent almost half of his life behind bars. He no was really about it. Yeah, sounds like yeah, it. Yeah, you sound like maybe a tryhard. I don't know. I'm not trying to kind judge. Kind of a poser. But I mean, unless you've been locked up for half of your lifetime, <laughs> are you really about that crime life? No, you're not. Yeah, that's what I thought. But, you know... He was also like a fan favorite in the way that like when he would get locked up and he would go to like a court, thousands of people from all around and like rural places would show up like, oh man, we got to see Billy Miner. He's the most famous outlaw. Nobody is caught. And right? women loved him. Men wanted to be him. Yeah. He was the folk hero you've never heard of. I love it. Now, why was he so beloved? I've already told you this. He <laughs> only robbed from the corporations, never from the people. The yeah. people supported him because... This is the simple rule, which is if you don't rob from us, you're clearly on our side. Yeah. That's, what, that's yeah. how they saw it because they were also suffering from the exploitation of various large industrial, like, logging concerns, railroad companies, the various people who they had to work for, the factories. Uh -huh. So they saw him as fighting back against this. And they didn't see corporations as peoples, my friend. No, there was no Citizens United. So <laughs> now, as I also told you, he didn't like anyone to get hurt. He was known for being a kind heart. In fact, his nickname was the Gentleman Bandit. Oh, I yeah, like that. I, th I thought you would like it. He also was something of a political firebrand for the time. He called himself openly a socialist, uh -huh. which was not common at the time. People were anarchists. They were socialists. But yeah. he wasn't a European who'd come from, you know, like Scandinavia, Northern Europe and said, oh, I'm a socialist. You'd find a lot of them in Chicago, Milwaukee. But he yeah. was out in the West uh -huh. on his own, a cowboy calling himself a socialist. Interesting. Not a lot of socialist cowboys. Yeah. 
But, you know, he was also, I think, in modern parlance, something of a champagne socialist because yeah. as a criminal, he liked to live large. When he mm -hmm. got a big score, he didn't give all of the money away to the people. Some of it he's kept for, you know, fine furs, steamer ships to Europe. Mm. He liked to live big, right? Okay. Now, he also was somebody who was cultured because his mother was a school teacher and uh, she made sure that he could speak with anyone he met in the world, yeah. right? And he used that to great advantage. Now, as far as his place in the history of outlaws goes, I need to kind of like frame him, I think, for you, because you may be thinking, I have never heard of this dude. I Bill have Miner, never heard of right? him. Right. And like you keep telling me all this cool stuff about him. Why have I never heard about Bill Miner? That's exactly what the the dialogue in my head right now. I could see the brain noodle turning. Mm -hmm. It's just doo -doo 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 -doo. steam coming out of my ears. <laughs> now, there were fun things about him, like he was the first person to rob a train in Canada. Also, the second person to rob a train in Canada. <laughs> he was the first person to rob a train in my home state of Georgia. He was mm. not the second person to rob a train in Georgia. <laughs> but this guy, over his decades-long career as a gentleman bandit, he robbed more stagecoaches than the Jesse James and only one less train than the James Younger gang robbed. And that's what they focused on. So huh. he had them beaten in one and almost tied on the other. Interesting. Why don't we know about That's it? That's what I'm wondering. Right? But Elizabeth, do you have a fa favorite folk hero outlaw? No. Like, you know, like, for, for me, it'd be Cherokee Bill, the uh, oh, half-black, yeah. half-native outlaw. Everybody look up Cherokee Bill. He's dope. There's also John Dellinger. Mm -hmm. You know, he's more of like, you know, a modern outlaw folk hero. There's the classic Robin Hood or the, there's Ivanhoe, another, you know, English folk hero. Do you, you don't have any favorite to these? Um, Emilio Estevez as Billy the Kid. <laughs> <laughs> what about maybe non-outlaws like John Henry, Paul? Well, He's Paul a steel-driving man. Yeah, exactly. Do any of those ever do it I, for you? I don't know. So you're not really into the folk heroes is what I'm hearing. I like them all. You're, no, I like that. Very, I like very, everybody. Very democratic. You're like, who needs a folk hero? I'm for the folk people. <laughs> yeah, I'm more of the folk. And then we have <laughs> heroes, but... <laughs> <laughs> now, Bill Miner, so you can picture him. This dude, he wasn't a big man. He's like a rather thin-boned guy, a little bit under medium height. He generally had fair hair. He liked to wear a mustache. Over time, his mustache grayed, and uh, he, that's why he becomes known as the Gray Fox, is because oh. of this charming mustache that would kind of dance on his upper lip whenever he <laughs> smiled. And he was a very charming guy. He was known for a glint in his eye, a quick smile, mm -hmm. a curve of his lip for the ladies. You know, he was the kind of the, a charmer without being like, F-boy energy, right? Hubba hubba. <laughs> exactly. Now, dude is, like, got real lucky. He was born in 1843 in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were a boy born in 1843 in mm -hmm. Kentucky. Oh, yeah, I see. I'm doing the math right, right You now. do the math, right? He dodged the Civil War bullet by having his mother go, I'm a school teacher. I can see where this is going. I know some about history. We're moving west. She took him all the way to California to get wow, away from the war. smart. And in the 18s, like, in the 1800s, like, mid, you know, mid-century, 19th century, so we're talking, like, 1850s, mm -hmm. if you're sitting there in California... You're pretty much in Spanish, Mexican, yes. California. This, yes. There is nothing that we would think of. It's mostly still just the vestiges of the Californios. Mm -hmm. So that's what he shows up in. They moved to San Diego. Oh, okay. Yeah, San Diego. And at that point, San Diego is not a Navy town. No. This is, there's no Camp Pendleton. That's an interesting choice at right? that time. Yeah. yeah. But San Diego was the more fair place to land in Southern California than Los Angeles. It had better weather, better water, everything. I'd Los imagine Angeles, it was a big fishing community. Yes, good yeah, call. Yeah. So also, uh, they had big ranchos because of the California. Yeah. So primarily, there were cowboys. San Diego was a cowboy town. Mm -hmm. So he went out there and uh, Bill Miner becomes a cowboy. 
or as they called him out west, a vaquero or yeah. a buckaroo in English. Right. The cowboy is more of an eastern version than Texas is specifically where you hear cowboy. In mm -hmm. California, even then, they were all called buckaroos. Interesting. Yeah, you'll see that often. I learned a bunch about this re uh, researching the West is that white, black, native, doesn't matter. Everybody west of about middle of New Mexico was a buckaroo. Yeah. Which I, I, you don't hear that much except for like, you know, occasionally like in the buckaroo bonsai or some of these right. ha hangovers from the culture. But yeah. everybody thinks that cowboy was ubiquitous. It was well, not. Well, cowboy is a little bit like I diminutive. Like, it's racist. Yeah, yeah. It's, exactly. It, I mean, let's not even hammer haw about yeah. it. It was cow and the, the boys who handled the cows. And these boys were men. So yeah. the only men who were called boys were black men. And so in Texas, cowboy. If you were a white, you were a cow hand or a ranch hand. Ranch hand, yeah. So that was the big difference. And that's why I kind of prefer buckaroo. Yeah. I it was like for everybody. Buckaroo's fun sounding too. Yeah, exactly. It's a fun word to say. Sounds like you're rough and ready. So to give you a sense of Bill Miner, let's turn to the man himself with a quote about his upbringing. Mm-hmm. And I quote, Yes. Let us begin at the beginning. I was born in the family of a prosperous and law-abiding farmer in Bowling Green, Kentucky in the year 1843. I attended school until I became 16, when, like the majority of us boys, I became imbued with the fever to go west. In company with two of my boyfriends, I made for Texas, going on through to California, where my first robbery was turned. Becoming short of funds, we found ourselves in a hole. Oh. Right? Just immediately turns to crime. Yeah. He's like, cowboy in his hog. I need a couple bucks. My hands hurt. How much, <laughs> how much for a gun? So now, he first starts in California. As I told you, he becomes a cowboy, and he called himself a cowpuncher and bullwhacker. That was his term for it. <laughs> what do you do for a living? I'm a bullwhacker. Hey, oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I, I know uh, Elizabeth. She's a, a bearwhacker. She <laughs> hangs out by the... Now, over time, he migrates north to gold country in Northern California. Now, uh -huh. at this time, we're post the gold rush. That's like primarily 1849, 18, early 1850s. Yeah. We're in the into the 1860s, right? So we're a generation behind the original men who made the the name of the gold rush, right? Yeah. So Bill Miner shows up and he's like, so what's up with the gold rush? And people are like, oh, people are still trying to, like, you know, carve some uh, value and riches out of the earth. He's like, bet, sign me up. So he gets going on the mining. He thinks, oh, I'm going to get a strike. He does not get a gold strike. Hmm. He also borrowed money to pay for his shovels and all of the various things that his knee would need, his gold pans, his Levi's, everything. His creditors come for him and they go, look, man, uh, how's the gold strike coming? Bill Miner's like, I just need a little bit. We don't got any, you need a little bit. We need all our stuff back or the money. And he's like, ah, I don't have the money. I, I can get some. This. And they're like, nope. They take all of his stuff, his clothes, everything that he has, and he's just left pretty much naked and alone in the gold country, what? right? So what does he do? He decides, my answer, crime. <laughs> when in doubt. Yeah, he's, he gets mad at these corporations who've robbed him, robbed the people, denied them a livelihood in yeah. America. And he says, you know what? This is my new ethos, robbing corporations. All right. Now, I know you kind of agree with this. Would you agree that that's an ethos that is um, laudable? Well, I feel like... Because corporations is, is a tricky one. Cause... Well, the very nature of a corporation mm -hmm. is to make money. Yes, and obfuscate the... the shareholders. Yeah, and so it doesn't ethics be be damned. Mm -hmm. It's however you're going to make the money for the shareholders. And you're legally beholden to do it. Not all people right. know this, that you, you have, have a fiduciary to. duty to make money for the shareholders. Exactly. But in the process of that, the people, the working people, the people that... The humanity gets lost. Yeah, exactly. And gets, you know, screwed over and yeah. gets robbed from. Gets exploited. To, yeah, because your time and your West. value is robbed. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I 
I don't really have a problem with that. And back then, you have to keep in mind, in gold country, they were bringing in miners from the UK and mm -hmm. treating them essentially like slaves mm -hmm. in these mines. So there were all sorts of Cornish like miners yeah. who were being basically treated like slaves. So he would see how the corporations, what they would do once they can take over like the gold country. Because originally you had all these miners, individuals trying to do stuff, and then came the gold concerns and they would lock down, buy up a bunch of mines. Yeah, they would take over. So you didn't have your own individual exactly. stake. And... They were making such obscene wealth mm -hmm. out of this. And then they brought in the Pinkertons as muscle. So take it back. Exactly. So Bill yeah. Miner goes to war against the corporations. He's mm -hmm. like, I'm not working for these guys because you can't make an honest living. He starts robbing stagecoaches. Why stagecoaches? Not because there's passengers on it, because there's strong boxes. Yeah. Lock boxes loaded down with gold dust deposits on their way down to Sacramento. And he's like, that's easy pickings. This is like going up to an apple tree and going, might I just have one or two of these apples? <laughs> so his first stagecoach, he pulls out $75,000. What? He's like in his teens. He's like, this is the life You're for kidding. me. Yep. So he's hooked. And not only that, he immediately goes Robin Hood energy on it, gives away most of the money to the people. See? Okay. Now I don't have a problem with that. Yep. But his luck didn't hold despite his grand generosity. He makes the mistake of trying to rob another stagecoach, but he doesn't do it with the best materials. Now, for a gunfighter back then, you had to have a steady gun, right? Mm -hmm. you, you couldn't have a gun that misfired, jammed, had a bad sight, whatever. You needed a good gun. Mm -hmm. If you're a stagecoach robber, what do you think you need? I don't know. Like, good horse. Good, oh, okay. Yeah, because you got to ride up alongside. That's, that's your pow, whole thing. He's like the getaway driver, essentially. Your horse yeah, is your getaway driver. Yeah. Right? Think of like a bank robber. So imagine if you went out to your car, tried to start it, and your car's like, go, 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 Doesn't matter how well you plan that bank robbery, it all comes down to your getaway car. Yeah. In this case, the getaway horse was an old nag. Oh, man. He saved too much money because he'd given it all away. <laughs> so he didn't have any money left. So he's like, how much for that one horse I can barely ride? They're like, oh, I'll give you two bucks for that one. And he's like, oh, perfect. I got two bucks. Buys it, right? Goes, takes that one, tries to rob a stagecoach. The horse, mid-escape, stops dead and goes, I'm not running anymore. Just yawns. Just like, like, I'm over it. Yeah. He's like, what do you know? He's like kicking him in the sides. The horse is like, bro, yeah. kick me all you want. Uh -uh. I'm an old ass nag. I've been kicked before. <laughs> so he refuses to run. The posse catches up to him pretty much on the quick fast. Yeah. And he's arrested. And the posse, rather than do what we would call Western justice, yeah. they don't lynch him on sight. They don't hang him from the tallest tree. They decide to bring him into town, which is lucky for for him because he doesn't die. Instead, he just goes to jail. Okay. And this begins his first of many times inside. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was amazing. He gets out, doesn't, he's not in for long, and he immediately goes back to robbing stagecoaches. He's like, I didn't learn a thing inside. Well, you know, when you have a calling. Yeah, well, it's when you're good at something. But then he's like, you know what? I think I could expand my game. They got this new thing called a steel horse, a railroad. I bet they got gold on there. Yeah. He decides, I'm going to get in on the ground floor of this new thing called train robbery. Bip a train. Yes. Now, after this quick break, we'll be back with the evolution of train robber extraordinaire Bill Miner. rant for a sec please pay apps are way too public what happened some rando hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names it's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. 
With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Become a part of the fast growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, Elizabeth, last we left you, my man Bill Miner was just beginning his criminal career. He'd gone from stagecoaches to train robbers. Mm -hmm. Now, I want you to close your eyes, and I'm going to take you to the 19th century and what it's like to rob somebody. Okay, I'm ready. Close your eyes. Eyes are closed. The year is 1871. The month is January. A cold, hard winter has fallen on the high desert. There you are up in gold country. Our man, Bill Miner, is now full-fledged outlaw. He's been robbing stagecoaches. He's been robbing trains. He's got a ne'er-do-well who rides with him named William Harrington. Mm-hmm. Now, this William Harrington, he also would be known as Bill, so you can't have two Bills together. It gets confusing. He gets a nickname, a trail name. We call him Alkali Jim. Wait, Alkali Jim? Alkali Jim, like alkaline batteries, <laughs> right. alkaline water, Alkali Jim. Alkali or alkaline? Alkali. Okay. Yep. So uh, Bill Miner and Alkali Jim... <laughs> They become partners in crime. This sounds like two guys on like a children's chemistry show. Like they're trying to get kids into science. (laughs) Bill Nye and Alkali Jim are robbing (laughs) banks. So everything's going great for Bill Nye and Alkali Jim (laughs) until they saddle up with the pretty much three-time loser named Charlie Cooper. 
Now, he's just a straight-up good-for-nothing reprobate and mm -hmm. bad luck to boot. So January 23rd, 1871, Bill Miner, Alkali Jim, and ne'er-do-well Charlie Cooper, they agree on a plan to rob a train. You're like, you know, we need a good score. Charlie Cooper's like, yeah, <laughs> we need a good score, right? <laughs> Bill Miner's like, man, this punk ass. So he's like, okay, guys, I'm telling you, it's about the gold deposits. We're not robbing the passengers. We're not going to hurt anybody. Yeah. I want to hear you say it. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to rob the passengers and not hurt. No, no. <laughs> I want you. We're not going to rob the passengers. We're only there for the money and the train, the gold. Yeah, yeah, we're there for the gold, man. We're going to get all of it. We're going to rob them passengers. No, let's see. Okay, you guys. Just, <laughs> I just, need you to focus. Just do what I do. Don't do anything that I don't do. They're like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> we're going we're, we're to score right now. They decide the best way to do it is to wait for the train to be going up a grade because they have to slow down. Then mm -hmm. they can run up and just hop on the train. They'll be going slow enough they can literally just run alongside and hop okay. on. So they stake out a spot on the tracks where the train will have to slow down. And they hide there amongst the rocks. And they wait till they hear that distant train whistle. And they're like, oh, they get excited. They check their guns. Everything's golden. Everything's clean. They're ready to make their move. The train gets closer. The train robbers now are signal each other across the rocks. They're getting back and forth, looks, they're quieting their horses, they're making sure nothing will give them away. The train pulls into the mountain pass where they're hiding. They have not been spotted by the conductor. Everything's golden. The train slows down just as they knew it would. The train robbers, they rush down over the rocks, they jump on board the train, they're armed, they shove their Colt pistols in the faces of the engineer and the coal man. Both of them are like, <gasps> <laughs> you know, obviously they've probably been robbed before, but it was the suddenness Maybe that they didn't not. expect. Normally people come running up on horses. These guys were just savvy, and they're like, oh, you caught us unawares. Yeah. Now, this train, unfortunately, had very little to steal. They Aww. picked the wrong train. Great plan, wrong train. The outlaws come away with $5 in gold. <laughs> But no. lots of fabric. <laughs> exactly. No. And the boys don't listen because they also come away with a watch and a pair of boots from the train engineer. Not cool. Not the passengers, though. They still technically the corporation. So Bill Miner wasn't too pissed. That's like, the personal watch of this guy. Exactly. Not, yeah. So the, the guys are not on the best. Now, this is fine as an early score. You know, some boots, a $5 gold coin. Bill Miner's like, okay, let's see if we can get back to the express car. Often that's where the gold is. So they go and they find there is a strong box. Oh, they get lucky. They're able to pry it open. Inside is $2,600 in gold dust. No, well, that's not so bad. Not a bad score at the time, right? They, they realize this is pretty much all they're going to get. They grab the gold dust and they make a dust cloud trail out of there. Mm -hmm. Everybody on the train watches them just disappear. Cloud of dust, all that's left behind. They're running. Now, on horses. Oh, so they... They have horses. They're cowboys. So these guys... I understand that. They I'm... ride horses. They had their horses quieted in the rocks. They board the train. They rob the train. They go onto the express car. They rob the strong box. But the train is still moving. No, the train stopped. They stopped oh, the they train. Oh, they stopped it. Yeah. Okay. When you rob a train, generally, it will slow down. You run up onto these these guys' techniques. They run up on... They put the gun in. They go, stop the train. I've been doing it wrong this whole time. Yeah. No, you don't want to keep it rolling. People cause... are like, Elizabeth, you're robbing the train. Why don't yeah. you make it stop? Like, I'm like, that's inconvenient. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I like inertia. Like, what's wrong with that? Yeah. You're so environmental. I You're am. like, why would we have to start the train again? That's just, that's more cost. I'll just get off at the next stop. I don't want to be any inconvenience to you guys. <laughs> the train engineer, they were able to uh, accurately describe to the authorities once they get to the next station what the bandits who robbed them look like because <laughs> Bill Miner, Alkali Jim, and Charlie Cooper, they didn't bother themselves with any bandanas or mm -mm. disguises. They were like, look at my face. I'm the one robbing you. <laughs> So this was a mistake. Times were changing fast. They had this thing called the telegraph. 
Yeah. So they were able to wirehead their description to all these different towns, right? So what that means is they now have heat on them in every surrounding area. So they decide, okay, oh, we got to lay low after they run into the first town where people are like shushing and talking about them. Like these people seem to know stuff about us. So they go and they hide out. But not old Charlie Cooper. Charlie Cooper's like, I got a big score. I got to go spend this money. Burn a hole in my pocket. So he He's decides, a problem. Yeah, he goes to town, eager to spend. And he decides, Sacramento ain't nothing. I'm going down to San Francisco. <laughs> I need to get me some action. Oh, big so time. So he gets down to Charlie. Yeah, Charlie Cooper gets down to San Francisco. And he's looking like every inch of somebody who's escaped gold country. And <laughs> but he has also, interestingly, has thousands, you know, like hundreds, possibly thousands of dollars of gold dust. People are like, this is incongruent. Yeah. So it doesn't take long for the San Francisco cops to catch wind to him. And they they arrest him. They talk to him about where he got all this gold dust. He immediately goes, you need to meet my friend Bill Miner and Acolyte Jim. I can tell you right where they find them. Little rat. So the, the law shows up back in gold country and there Bill Miner is hanging out with Alkali Jim and they see the law creeping up on them. There's nothing they can do. They can't get away. Both men are arrested, tried, convicted, and sentenced to yeah. 25 years in San Quentin. Wow. Now, did they wear jackets with their names embroidered on them? So that like they come, they're like, where's Bill Miner and Alkali Jim? And they're sitting in a bar in the back has like... They have name tags. Yeah. They're, <laughs> well, those guys have that on there. No, but when they did get to San Quentin, they got these little outfits with numbers on them. <laughs> so they had that to look forward to. So he gets released on good behavior in 1880. Uh-huh. So this is, you know, he's inside for a little while, but not terribly long. Ten days later, it's the 4th of July. He decides, you know what? I'm going to put this uh, life of crime behind me, see if I can go the honest way. He goes up to Oregon to live with his sister, a woman named Mary Jane Wellman. Now, Mary Jane's married. She's got a husband who's pretty much a straight shooter. And he's like, oh, I can get you a job. You know, welcome to town, Bill. And so he's like, you ever uh, gathered oysters? He's like, gathered oysters? What are you talking about? Yeah, we go down to the mud and our waiters and we gather up all these oysters. He's like, that sounds a lot like work. He's like, oh, it is. It is tiring. It is exhausting. You got to get up early and slog through mud to get this this rocky seafood thing. He's like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's try that. He goes out there, does like a day, maybe two days of work. On the third day, he goes and robs. Yeah, big nope. He gets a strong box loaded with $25,000 in gold. He's back at it. So what? he uses this money. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to give this money all the way to the people this time. I mean, the people need it, but I need to get out of America. So he does that. He goes, and three weeks later, he's in Australia. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Just gets a steamship, takes the clipper or whatever down to Australia. He bounced all the way He's out. got all this stolen money that is worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars today. So he's like, let me go yeah. spend some of this down in Australia. Now, Australia was not quite popping yet. It was just post-penal colony. And uh-huh. so it's like basically Texas with a better beach. Yeah. So at this time, he's like, you know what? Australia is not the spot I thought it would be. So there's no trains to rob, no action. He's like, I'm going to go. They will cut you. Oh, they will gut you and cut you and feed you to a crock. Yeah. So he decides, you know what? I'm going to go up there to Europe. He takes the steamship up to Europe and he enjoys all the pleasures of 1880s Europe. Uh Uh, You know, all the various, I don't know, caviars and things that you would be eating. And he spends all of his stolen gold dust until there's none left. And he's like, meanwhile, dreaming of you know, robbing a, one of those fancy transcontinental European Ooh. trains. He's like, you know, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> I would love to just take the train from Constantinople, rob it somewhere on the way to Beijing. That's elegant. He decides, you know what, that may be a bit tough because he doesn't know the land, doesn't know the language, doesn't know the people. It does. There's a lot of disadvantages <laughs> to robbing a train. So he decides, I'm going to go back to America where people speak English. Yeah. So he takes the what little booty and stolen loot he has left. 
and heads back to America, but he didn't keep enough money. So when he lands in America, he's dead broke, and he's trying to get to the West from the East. So he has to do the classic beg, borrow, and steal until he can make it west of the Mississippi. Then he starts hoboing his way back to California and using, like, you know, he's riding on boxcars. He's taking a ride on a stagecoach on the back if he can run up and hide on it. Anything he can. He sleeps in the woods. He's taking burrows over the mountains. It is just a arduous trek all the way across America. He's stealing chickens. He's doing whatever (laughs) he can to make it. He finally makes it. And what does he do when he gets back to California? Robs something. Goes back to robbing corporations. Yes. Because that is what he's good at. And he's, that's, they got the stolen wealth and I'm going to steal it back. (laughs) Steal it right back. So after he gets back to California, gets back to what he does best, he meets up with this uh, new guy, a farmhand named Arthur Pond. And he's like, Art, my man. I need a riding partner. How are you about crime? I was like, oh, oh crime. Oh, I've never tried it, but uh, I'm amenable. <laughs> so Arthur Pond, the two men hit it off. They decide to go into business together. And by business, I mean robbing stagecoaches and trains. Uh-huh. So he picks an old gold and silver town called Ohio City, right? And he's like, this is the spot. It's in Colorado. He hasn't quite, you know. Ohio City. Ohio City in, in Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, it's a gold and silver boom town. Now it's a ghost town. He doesn't it no longer exist, right? Yeah. So they wait for the stagecoach to pull out of town with whatever gold and silver deposits they have that they're sending to Denver. And uh, they rob the stagecoach. And mm-hmm. this time they get away with about $4,000, which is plenty of pocket money for the two of them. Not right. a huge score, but yeah. enough to keep them in horses and bullets and well-fed. Yeah. So the two men decide, you know what? We're good at this. We make a good team. Let's stick together. They change their names. They're like, you know what? People may know us and recognize us, so I'm going to call you Billy Leroy. You call me <laughs> Billy Morgan. Wait, they went, They still decided, go with the Billy and the Billy? They just had to be two Billies. He's like, that was a problem last time. I had a William. I could have been two Billies. Inside, we, we mixed it up. And he became Alkali Jim. That didn't work out. <laughs> so you're going to be Billy. I'm going to be Billy. We're going to be the two we're Billies. Just, they're going to go to town. Hey, guys, we're just a couple of Billies. Yeah, who can be mad at a Billy? Who knew? Yeah. So, and they're just like, steer clear of those two. Yeah, have you met the two Billies? right. Kind of silly. <laughs> so... They, unfortunately, aren't as good at it as they think they are. They get arrested when they try to rob a stagecoach. They are tried, convicted, this time 10 years behind bars. Just a couple of billies. Exactly. (laughs) So, Bill Miner is like, you know what? Billy Leroy was kind of a punk. He wasn't good for old Bill Miner. So, I'm going back out on my own. So, he escapes prison. And he goes right back to robbing stagecoaches. Solo. On his own. He escapes prison on his own. Decides, I'm going to, you know, rob stagecoaches on my own. I don't really need anybody. I got a gun, a horse is all I need. It's his one-man show, just Billy. (laughs) Formerly two Billies. Yeah. (laughs) So Billy gets into town uh, now that he's been released from prison, or escaped, rather, Mm -hmm. and he gets resupplied. Self-released. Yes, exactly. Now, he's all self-released. He's free in his own recognizance. (laughs) And uh, a posse, by the way, has been uh, out looking for, they hear word that he's escaped, so they're out looking for him. And uh, he gets caught, and uh, at this point, he is he's reconnected with his man, Arthur Pond. Even though Arthur Pond oh, is kind of a punk, yeah. he manages to reconnect with Arthur Pond, who he had helped to escape from, you know, from prison. So the two reconnect. They're on the road together. They get grabbed up by this posse. Mm-hmm. Now, this posse decides, you know what? Western justice might be the right thing for you boys. Uh-oh. Yeah, so things look bad. Arthur Pond uh, gets a, an appointment with the rope. Bill Miner, luck is on his side. 
he manages to escape and he stays out on the lam. I don't know how he gets away from the posse. I don't know if he just threw dirt in somebody's yeah, eyes like, and ran away. There. But he manages to get out of this. Like while they're like, you know, working on the rope with, with Arthur, he's like, oh, let me just see this horse for a second. It looks like it's standing on its, its own foot. Here, let me move it. And he gets on the back, runs away. I don't know. <laughs> a year later, he's back in Colorado and he's deciding, you know what? I remember there was a the Del Norte line stagecoach going into Denver, came out of Ohio City, if I recollect, and that one had a few hundred dollars on it. So he goes, he robs the stagecoach, and voila, it has a few hundred dollars Wait, on it. Wait, the same line he yep, robbed? goes back, robs the same line. Yeah, He's like, I know it. I know the proven. driver. Yeah. They know who I am. Respect me. He's all, oh, it's Billy back. <laughs> Did y'all miss a bill? <laughs> So he robs his stagecoach, and even though the score was tiny, just a few hundred bucks, mm-hmm. posse is formed. They go chasing after him. He's on horseback. This time, the horse doesn't crap out. He's learned his lesson. You got to get a good horse. And he's not pushing it, because a horse, if you run it for too long, it'll yeah. stop regardless, even yeah. if it's not an old nag. So he's resting the horse, riding, resting, doing everything right. The chase lasts for four days. There, four days? It's a running gunfight for four days through prairies and canyons, foothills, valleys, over the rocks, through the trees, back and forth, bang, bang, ride the horse, ride the horse, bang, bang, ride the horse, ride the horse. For four days Dang. they're doing this, right? Finally, on the fourth day, the posse just gives up. They're like, yeah. we, ain't, we ain't catching them. Bill Miner, a.k.a. Billy Morgan, gets away. Now, the year at this time? Yeah. What? 1882. Okay. So he's... On the lamb, robbing stagecoaches, luck is on his side. He decides, you know what? I'm doing good. I'm back on my jam. I'm peaking. I'm going to go back to California to gold country. They ain't got any money out here in Colorado. So he rides back to California and tries to score on the, the various stagecoaches running down to San Francisco that he knows about. Huh. And this is when he starts to make history. Nice. Right? Now, after a quick break, I will tell you all about that history. Can't wait. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. 
I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So Bill Miner's back in gold country in California, right? Right. Now, Elizabeth, I told you, he's uh, they still got stagecoaches running at this time. Yes. Mostly the the good gold is on the trains, but that's for transcontinental. The mm-hmm. local routes, stagecoaches. Yeah. So he picks up the stagecoach. He's got a good horse. He's wearing a bandana to cover his face because he knows they got the telegraph now. Cute. So he's learned a lot of lessons, rides up to a stagecoach. The driver sees him. He's got a couple guys with him. They're all wearing their masks. He pulls out his six-shooter, aims it at the wagon master, and he says, hands up, and not a hair on your head will be harmed. Mm-hmm. Now, that is the first time we've ever heard the words, hands up. No previous bandit ever thought to be considerate of those he was robbing. It was the gentleman bandit who brought this level of class and a lawn to bank robbery so and stagecoach ha- robbery. he invented the He's phrase. He's the first one. He He's gets- crafting slang for the American West. <laughs> He's he was the, the E-40. E-40. <laughs> uh, completely. <laughs> So wow, hands up! Yeah, it, it was it was so quotable. It shows up in all the newspapers. Everybody's like just tickled by that a robber would be thinking about their victims. Yeah, well, it I mean, was, it is rather conscientious. Put your hands up. Yeah, I don't want to hurt you. Yeah, instead of like threatening them with violence, he's like, "Look, I'm just here for the corporation's money. None of yours. It's going to be totally tasteful. Put your hands up. <laughs> You'll be into it. Just relax. Let it happen." <laughs> So Bill Miner, he gets away with $4,000 on this job mm-hmm. and the beginnings of a legend. Yeah. So now people are starting to know about him because he's in the newspapers with this incongruous hands-up treatment. You're like, Asking Who is this people guy? to throw their hands just, in the air. Like, they actually kind of care. Like, like, just pretend like you care. Yeah. Just throw them up in the air. That's what it really <laughs> matters. So he and his gang, though, are not respected by the authorities who are not interested in this no. whole conscientious robbery thing he's got going. No. So they, of course, hunt him down and doesn't take long for them to catch him. They catch up to Bill. He's tried, convicted, and sentenced to 25 years in San Quentin. Ouch. Oh, he's going back. 25 back years. Home. This time, though, he does not get out on good behavior. He spends 20 years in San Quentin. Ouch. Dead hard time. Yeah. Taking big rocks and turning them into little rocks. Ouch. 20 years. Yeah. A new century rolls around (laughs) as the seasons change. (laughs) So it's 1901 now and when he's finally released and Bill Miner, free man, decides, you know what? I spent the majority of my life behind bars. Maybe I could learn a lesson from this. I'm going to go back to Oregon, see how my sister's doing. I'm I'm 54 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm an outlaw. Maybe I can do something different and become a smarter outlaw. (laughs) Not to reform. No, no. He's an older, wiser criminal now. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm not getting caught again. So (laughs) he now has that silver mustache that will become synonymous with the gray fox. Yeah. And he is still the charming gentleman. He does not grow bitter in prison. He doesn't become mean or ornery or surly. He just stays the evervescent Bill Miner we've always known and loved. He's a gentleman recidivist. Exactly. (laughs) 
and he goes back to robbing stagecoaches because they still exist in 1901. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, they last all the way till automated cars. I mean, until, you know, until you have, like, you know, yeah. the, the Model T and so forth that can make those same mountain passes. Right, you right. You have to get to, like, a an industrious, robust car because the early cars were far too oh, yeah, dainty and yeah. so forth. So. He's robbing stagecoaches in 1901, but now at this point, everything of good value has moved on to trains because yeah. now they have trains that run even from Gold Country down to San Francisco. So he's like, you know what? I got to catch up with the days. I got to catch up with the times. 1903 decides I'm going to start robbing trains. Uh-huh. It takes him two years from release to becoming a train robbery. He's like, got to figure out the angles. So he's just dusting around in between there. Yeah, like... he's trying to do things like maybe the legit way. Doesn't work for him. Tries a different job. Doesn't work for him. Just keeps doing it until he's like, you know what? I'm only good at one thing. Yeah. Robin. Yeah. I got to get back to what I love. I have to go back to the crime community. So I got to go back to my old ways. <laughs> so he robs the number six train near Corbett, Oregon, up, uh-huh. at, uh, up near the border of California and Oregon. Now, there's a high-value loot on this train. He's certain of it. So he's brought dynamite with him to get to it because he knows all the new trains, they have these huge safes. They don't just have strong boxes and lock boxes that they've transferred from uh-huh. a stagecoach. Now they got a whole... Built-in. Like, exactly. Brings the dynamite, blows that express car up. This is very, like, Wiley Coyote in my head. <laughs> Completely. Just, I'm going to bring dynamite? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it works. Okay. He blows up the safe. He blows up the express car. He blows the train off the tracks. It's just a whole thing. <laughs> He's a little out of practice. He needs to get back on top. So it works, and uh, he's able to rob it. He gets, you know, a pretty good score. And then he, once again, the heat's now back on him. He lets the heat blow over. He hides out on the lamb. What does he do? He's like, you know what? I'm going to get out of the area for a little while. He goes to Chicago. When you say he hides, I always imagine he's in a cave eating like a can of beans. (laughs) Sitting there, cold beans again, huh? So he's in Chicago shopping for fashion plate like accessories. Because remember, Champagne Socialist. When he gets money, he spends it on nice shoes, maybe a pocket square. The local uh, Pinkerton detectives notice this guy. They're like, what's up with the guy buying clothes with gold dust? So (laughs) they know the only people who have gold dust are... He just taps it out on the counter. Pretty much. He's like, that's about an ounce. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So it's working for him, right? But the Pinkertons make note of him. At this point, he's like, oh. He he can tell that they're clocking him. So he's like, I got to get back to my outlaw life. I'm not good for this. So he goes back west and he meets up a fellow bad man, a gunfighter this time named Stanton T. Jones. Stanton Jones, professional bad man. Oh, yeah. Very professional. Now, he and his new riding partner, they head up to Oregon because he's like, that's the spot. That's where they got, like, trains with money. But they're, like, least expecting it in Mm -hmm. Oregon, I would It's rural. The people are nice. Like, you know, the only thing they don't want is black people around everything else they're cool with <laughs> we laugh but it's yeah <laughs> sundown towns so this is how bill minor recalled a trip up to oregon and i quote yes i came to a small oregon town on the eve of thanksgiving with a large amount of gold dust i stepped into a store and bought a cigar a nicely dressed man came in and began ordering a large amount of groceries my curiosity was aroused, and I, I inquired for whom he was buying so many eatables. <laughs> he stated that he was a member of the relief committee of his town, buying groceries for a dinner for the place's poor for Thanksgiving. Now, I pulled out my bag of gold dust and, scraping a small amount into a tobacco sack, handed the remainder over to the grocery man, and I said, Here, partner, take this and give the poor people all it'll buy. Now, that money was all that he had in the world. He scrapes off a little gold dust for himself, and he's like, make sure that people enjoy Thanksgiving. Wow. He's like, get him some cranberry sauce and Pringles and just go to town. <laughs> now, notice he didn't say, tell him Billy Miner gave you the no. money. He just made it happen. Yeah. That's the actual charity. Yeah. He didn't make it about him. So this also starts to win him favor because people know this weird stranger was the one. and Talk spreads. Right. Anyway... 
he's able to, you know, keep robbing stagecoaches and keep people on his side because of his generosity and the fact that, you know, they when they hear about it, they're like, oh, who did he rob? And now there are other people robbing stagecoaches and trains at this time, and they rob the passengers. He has the distinction of only robbing the banks, the trains. Yeah. So people start to fall in love with him. So now when he gets prosecuted, they're like... Well, you know, the Canadian Pacific Railroad has been robbing from us. He's just robbing from them. Yeah. They start to take his tack, which is it's the corporations who are exploiting. He just takes a little and gives it to the people who've been robbed. How is that wrong? Robbing from the rich, giving to the poor. Exactly. Now, I know how much you love cowboy names. Yes. Right? Now, he gets connected with a cowboy whose nickname is Cowboy Jake. But that that's is not his, budget. That's a generic. Right? So it's like the people got together and said, Cowboy Jake, that's the terrible name. <laughs> How about, we've got a new one for you. What, what's your last name? Oh, uh, my mama called me Jake Terry. They're like, oh, okay. Well, we're going to call you Terrible Terry. So his That's other, also budget. His other nickname is Terrible Terry. It's nothing most, nothing competes with the Verdigree Kid. That's the best. That's the best name. That was Cherokee Bill's riding partner, the Verdigree Kid. And Such a good name. I mean, come on now. Verdigree is the green patina that you get from like a burnt, but a brass, right? Was it brass copper, or copper? Copper. copper. It's from copper, the green patina on copper. Like that's the color. That's a great Being named after a cowboy patina. Cowboy Jake sounds like yeah. on a budget kids TV show. Like, and then, like when he comes a segment in. with Cowboy Jake. <laughs> and it's played by Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. And then Terrible Terry. That just makes me think of that car wash, terrible. Terribles. Oh, terribles. Like in, the, in Las Vegas, yeah. they have the gas station. Terribles. Or Terrible Terry is just like a, a feature on a morning show, a radio show. Like He sounds like an early nickname for Terry the Tramp, like the, the Hell's Angel biker who's oh, in the Hell's yeah. Angels, uh, Terry the Tramp. He it's tried like, out Terrible, terrible Terry. Terry. They're like, that doesn't work. We need to get you a better nickname. Terry the Tramp. I love like, oh, it. Oh, you've been tramping yeah, around. We were going to go with Cowboy Jake, so I'm glad you like this. <laughs> So Cowboy Jake, this dude's a career outlaw. He's just, you know, a, a good-for-nothing cowboy. He doesn't like to work. He prefers to rob and steal, right? But mm-hmm. he doesn't have any of the ethics of a Bill Miner. He's just in it for the, the loot and the booty. Yeah. So He's doing it for the he's, booty. He's just in it for the booty, baby. <laughs> so he's smuggling guns over the border into Canada. That's his major line of work. Okay. The other thing he does is he smuggles Chinese immigrants and opium into America from oh. Canada. Oh, dear. Well, they, they're paying. He wasn't doing it, like, for, like, the factories he's or for like the miners. He's like a coyote. Exactly. He's a coyote who's in the uh, opium smuggling business, the human trafficking business, and also gun running. Just a classic. Class character. So, and for a while, he tried to be a counterfeiter, but he didn't have a trustworthy face. So, he, you think his name is Cowboy Jake, that he's going to like appear at children's birthday parties. Yeah, singing songs. Yeah. Of his outlaw ways. Nope. He goes full terrible Terry on him. (laughs) And so, terrible Terry, he helps smuggle. Uh, our man Bill Miner across the border, not into America, but out of America. He gets okay. him into Canada so he can hide out after a stagecoach robbery goes bad. So now the year is 1904. Bill Miner is free, still on the lamb. He's about to embark on the final chapter of his outlaw career, right? Mm-hmm. Now remember, up to this point, Canada has never had a train robbery ever occur. They have a very safe, very Canadian way of life. People uh-huh. aren't like barging onto trains with guns. That's more of an American affair, yeah. which I think, you know, makes perfect sense. He's like, you know what? I think we need to change that. So Bill Miner goes up and decides, you know, well, maybe I can go legit. And that doesn't work for him because it never works for him. At first, he's a cowboy. Then he tries mining. Uh Then he goes back to cowboying. Then he tries working in a mill. He tries working in a factory. He really tries to go and be exploited by corporations in a good way. But it it. never makes sense to him. It always makes him angry. So he goes right back to the crooked path of crime. Mm -hmm. British Columbia, Canada. He decides, you know what? 
this feels a lot like gold country. Yeah. They have gold strikes and silver strikes around here, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. The Yukon's just up there. And I know they got gold coming down here to Vancouver and Victoria. Right. I just have to find out. So he goes out and finds himself a riding partner, a new one. This guy, he nicknames Shorty Dunn. He's like, you're not too tall. I'm going to call you Shorty. What's up, Shorty? So Bill Miner and Shorty Dunn, they join up with Cowboy Jake, a.k.a. Terrible <laughs> Terry. And the three of them decides, let's go rob a train. It'll be the first train ever robbed in Canada. So they're about 40 miles east of Vancouver. Bill Miner and the boys are waiting in the rocks. It's the dark of night. They see the Canadian Pacific Railroad pulling into a station. And they go, okay, let's, uh, let's rob it. Looks good. This looks like a winner. So it's a Saturday night. There's a low, thick fog hanging in the, on the ground, blanketing everything. So they have both darkness and a fog to obscure them. They can see the train's light growing bigger and brighter as it's approaching the station. So they're like, okay, let's hide it out in this sea of darkness and fog. And when it gets close enough, we'll just run on and rob it. And you're like, seems simple enough to me. Terrible Terry's like, yep. <laughs> so they uh, do exactly that. They get on the train when it slows down at the station. They pull out their guns. They force them into the face of the engineer and the coal man. They say, don't stop at the train station. So this time, Elizabeth, uh -huh. they don't stop the train. Uh -huh. They run it five miles past the train. They go, now stop the train. <laughs> so now that they're out in the middle of the nowhere, they stop the train. They uncouple the car so that just the express car with them and the locomotive, they go pull forward a little bit. While they're doing this, one of the, the brakemen hops off the back of the train, runs back to town. Now that's like yeah. about a three five-mile run. So it's going to take them a little while. Yeah. Gives them time to work. They get to the express car. Now they're rifling through it. Doesn't look like there's anything. But Bill Miner, he's not dumb like Terrible Terry, and he's not like Shorty Dunn who's just like, oh, I just want something. Let's just take anything. Let's take the stapler. You know, he doesn't <laughs> give it. He just wants to take something because like they made all this effort. Bill Miner's like, I know it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like there's anything on this train. Let's dig through the mail. They're like, the mail? What are you going to take checks from widows <laughs> and orphans? Identity theft. So it turns out it was a great call. In the mail, they find $50,000 worth of government bearer bonds, which are good as cash. Whoa, so whoever yes. has it, that's theirs. And then there's another big find, $250,000 in Australian bearer bonds, because at this time, everything's under the you know the Bank of England. So yeah. Canada and Australia are pretty yeah, much yeah. exchanging monies and so forth. So these two financial instruments are combined were $300,000 back then, mm -hmm. which would be about $10 million today. You're kidding. To be exact, it was $9.98 million that they find in that mailbag. Smart to go through the mail. Right? Bill Miner. Yeah. Knowledgeable socialist. He's like, <laughs> mail is the people's. <laughs> now, this is the first successful train robbery in Canada. They're oh, so good at it, they do it again for the second well, successful train robbery. <laughs> now, the gang did disguise themselves, but there was one problem. They all spoke in what would be described up there as American accents. Uh, and they're like, they don't have all Americans up here. Now, everybody knows down in Washington and Oregon and California, this guy Bill Miner and his gang robbing trains left and right. They're like, I bet it's him. Kind of, kind of fit, you know. So they contact Canadian authorities. The train people then contact the Pinkertons. The Pinkertons show up. They're like, he was in Chicago. We heard about him down in Oregon. We heard, they've heard about him all over their agency. So they're like, we need to catch him. Nation Canada goes, we agree. Yeah. We will give you $5,000 for Bill Miner's head, dead or alive. Oh. Because they own the Canadian Pacific Railroad. So he essentially yeah. robbed the, the government of Canada. Oh, uh, see, yeah. So the Pinkertons are hired. So now we got thug muscle out there in like suits, acting tough in the West. Everyone's like, who are those jerks? And everyone's like, those Pinkertons. Be suited criminals. Exactly, essentially. You know, they're just basically cops without badges, but they have none of the responsibilities cops do. So yeah. all the authority, none of the responsibility. Yeah. You do the math. <laughs> so the Pinkertons, they go rough people up, doing all their harassment of the West. And they also 
are not very successful at it. They just don't seem to have the wherewithal. And there are some great hunters and trackers amongst the Pinkertons. They weren't able to do it. So they hire some First Nation trappers. They're brought in to track down Bill Miner's gang. Hmm. The First Nation guys, gangbusters. Pinkertons came up empty. Eventually, Bill Miner, Terrible Terry, Shorty Dunn, they get close a few times to catching them, mm -hmm. but they all escape the long arm of the law for a while. In 1905, one year later, they're out, you know, cattle rustling, as one does. As you do. There's no trains to rob. You want to stay fit it's in the off shape. It's season. Yeah, they're like, hey, guys, preseason run. <laughs> so they're out there. They rustle some cattle, about 50 of them, which is a pretty good score for horses. Yeah. And things are going well. The law shows up at their door. <laughs> they're just hiding out in a town called Kamloops in British Columbia. And at this point, Bill Miner's been staying there and getting to know all the people. Everybody knows him as this guy, Edward. They're like, oh, yeah, George Edwards is his, is his uh, trail name he's using. So mm -hmm. everybody thinks of him as George Edwards. They don't, they've heard talk of this guy, Bill Miner, who's harassing everybody, but it couldn't be this kindly old gentleman who yeah. lives in town, who's so nice to everybody, has a flower for the ladies and a smile for the Silver kids. Fox. But you know what gives him away? How the law got to his door? Hmm. A dancing girl. Oh. But not the kind you would think of. Not a dance hall dancing girl. It was the one on his arm. Oh. Yes. A Canadian Pacific Railroad detective, this dude named Bullock, he writes the report that will frame all this for you. Yeah. And I quote, Huh? I have not the slightest doubt that the old man in custody is Bill Miner. I am well acquainted with Miner's sisters and can recognize the family likeness even if I had not other proofs. Last night, I saw the man stripped and he was lathering his hands, and I asked him to turn them over, wishing to identify a stencil mark on his arm. He turned his hand over, but not enough for me to see all of it. I asked him again when he was wiping his face. On his second refusal, I seized hold of the arm, and I turned it over. Boom, there she was, the dancing girl tattoo that he was known for. Wow. Every time he was arrested, they made note of this. So everybody yeah. knows Bill Miner can be identified by the dancing girl tattoo. Criminals don't get tattoos. Yeah. No. Just saying. <laughs> Good but luck with that. He refuses it. He's like, I'm not Bill Miner. I don't know what you're talking about. Just because I got a dancing girl on my arm like this Bill Miner fellow. flash tattoo. A bunch of people have this tattoo. Yeah. I mean, if you went down to the tattoo shop in San Diego about 30 years ago, everybody, everybody was getting got it. it. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, okay. And all the, there's like all did people in town. Did it dance when he like flexed his yes, muscle? Yes, it did. It oh. totally did. He could make it dance. That's the whole, yeah. yeah. You there know, you, you hang out a lot of sailors, don't you? I sure do. You want to see this boat ride the waves? <laughs> it's a ship, sir. So <laughs> it's a schooner. <laughs> hundreds of people pour into town for the trial of Bill Miner, mm -hmm. the gray fox, the gentleman bandit, known by many names. They want to see him with their own eyes. He is, after all, the most wanted outlaw in the disappearing Wild West. Yeah. We're in 1904. He's one of the last great outlaws. Yeah. They're like, let me lay eyes on this man. Now they get there and they notice that Bill is a rather peculiar fellow when you see him with your own eyes. I mean, he's a little smaller than people imagine. He's got that delightful silver mustache, but he also does odd things like keep an egg in his pocket. So, <laughs> and he, he got ears the size of dinner plates. <laughs> exactly. No, I, literally the truth. He had an egg in his pocket. He kept all through the court trial. He would occasionally finger it. People couldn't figure out what he was doing. So then he started <laughs> pulling it out of his pocket and playing with it. Oh, he used to be staring at it while the judge was talking. He's just staring at an egg. I mean, what do you even do with that? I don't know. He never explained to anyone why he had the egg in his pocket. People just assume it must be for luck. So to this day, there is a mystery of why the egg. Wow. Trial, though, doesn't last long. The egg doesn't have time to go bad. Doesn't need to get a second <laughs> egg. He's deemed guilty, sentenced to life in prison. Bill Miner looks at the judge smoothly and says, Your Honor, no jail can hold me, sir. No. The judge is like, well, let's see about that. <laughs> now, true to his word, in 1907, he escapes prison. Nice. Yet again. Again. The guy's amazing. How He's old like, is he at this point? Well, you do the math. He's born in 1843, 1907. 
All right. Wow. Right? Okay. Exactly. So it's 1907. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing the math on how old he is. If no. you want, you can do the math, but you know. It's like 60 plus. Exactly. Whatever. He's, he's, Who cares? He's approaching retirement. Yeah. So he's a man of a certain age. <laughs> so Bill Miner, he's escaped from prison, just good to his word, just mm-hmm. like he said he would. And uh, from the local news of the day, we know that, and I quote, on the morning of August 9th, 1907, he made good his boast by crawling through a 35-foot tunnel under the fence surrounding the brickyard in the new Westminster Penitentiary. Bill is remembered as one of Canada's most notable bandits, a peaceful soul, beloved by his friends and jailers alike. What's up, El Chapo, tunneling out? I know, right? But he didn't, like, you know, people liked him. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't kill people. Exactly. He was 100% murder-free. 100%. Love it. Figured you'd like that about him. I do like that. So the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Mm -hmm. the RCMP, they are tasked with finding Bill. They're no better than the Pinkertons. They can't catch him. Bill is loose, once again, on the lam. Now, why couldn't they find him? He was hiding out in Europe. Oh. He's like, I'm going back where that nice place was, where people don't walk around with guns and everything. Not going to look there. Yeah. Yeah, so... He then spends his time in Europe until, once again, runs out of money, blows all of his stolen booty, once he has no booty, back to America. So many of us have done that. I'm telling you, that's pretty much my life story. Run out of booty, back to America. <laughs> so he flees back to America. What's he do when he gets to California? Robs the stagecoach. I was going to say, rob something. So yeah. he needs to get a little spending money, a little pocket money, you know, a little folding cash, if yeah. you will. And, Mad uh, money. Yeah, this is how he explained it. And I quote, Bill Miner said... I then made my way to Europe, where I spent about six months returning to America when I went dead broke from giving a poor widow most of my money in order to send her daughter to Hot Springs, Arkansas, for treatment which would cure her seemingly hopeless case of rheumatism. The balance I lost in a gambling hall in a California town. So, you <laughs> know. giving it away. Well, he's like, like legit, like full cure outlaw. He's yeah. like, look, yeah. I lose some in a casino. I gave most of it to a widow and her rheumatoid kid. Go fund me for her kid. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, I like this. Right. Priorities. Right. But because he's Bill Miner and trouble is pretty much his shadow, he tries to go legit. He gets a job working in a sawmill down in Georgia. He doesn't go west this time. When he gets back to America, he stays on the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So he's down in Georgia, my great home state, mm-hmm. and uh, working in like those. You know, those pine forests yeah. cutting down, right? Piney and, woods. Oh, dude, those sawmill towns, you know the stink. So he's down there having gone from the high luxury of Europe to a sawmill town in Georgia. Yeah. So obviously he's hiding out. No one yeah. else wants to be he's there on He's gone purpose. underground. Now, he decides, you know what? This sucks. This working for a living, <laughs> I'm not into it. So he's like, you know what, guys? Any of you guys want to uh, try a new line of work? They're like, oh, what do you got in mind there, Bill? And he's like, oh, well... I happen to know a line of work that is both profitable and enjoyable. If you boys would like to join me for a, an evening, we could talk about our options. And they're like, okay. They talk about it. He's like, we're going to rob a stagecoach. They're like, <laughs> He's got uh, pamphlets that say criming on the top. He's like, like, Bill, we need, I mean, you're, you're a little old. You may not know this. We don't have stagecoaches anymore. <laughs> not really. I don't know how it was in California where you're from. We kind of have trains. We're, he's like, Perfect. We'll rob that. Yeah, so, he's like, I can do that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm flexible. I'm, I don't get to be Bill Miner and this old by not being flexible. So <laughs> they decide, let's go rob a train. And the five of them hold up a train on its way to New Orleans. They pull out $3,500 from the train safe. Oh. Not a bank town, New Orleans, but still has enough deposits that they can make a big, good score. Yeah. Now, this is 1911 at this point. Okay. Okay, so we're... The world, at least America and the West, are heading towards World War One, but yeah. they don't know it at that no, moment. No, they have no clue. Right? So everybody thinks everything's going to continue on the way it is 
for perpetuity, which yeah. is a common human fallacy. We always think how it is right now will be forever or will be sensibly for the future. Right. Of course, events weigh. And uh, Bill Miner is caught by the law. He's mm-hmm. like, but I was, I had all these expectations, <laughs> these dreams. I wanted to go rob a transcontinental railroad in Europe. You're stepping on a man's dreams. This is not America. This isn't a land of freedom. And they're like, Bill, settle down, bro. <laughs> so the deal is, is he was sitting there with his men because what happened is the three guys that he got to come with him and rob the stagecoach, they all worked at the mill with him. Mm-hmm. Well, on Monday morning, when none of them showed up to work, <laughs> everyone was very quick to figure out, I bet it's that guy and this, the new guy and his and the couple of the, the, the hires we had that were questionable. Yeah. I bet it's them. They're like, let's check that. Doesn't take them long. Local farmers like, oh, I've seen them. Some mountain men finger them like, yeah, there's like four guys down this way. So they go down and they find the men all sitting around a small fire and the posse <laughs> men show up in the woods and they're like, oh, look, we caught them. And the Bill Miner, because the rest of the boys are pretty much napping after dinner and the fire's just crackling. Uh-huh. It's a nice they're warm scene. They're all full scene. of beans. Exactly. Just farting and tooting along, <laughs> easing into like some of uh, the Sandman's arms. And Bill Miner hasn't quite like fallen into sleep, nor is he fully relaxed because he's like Bill Miner. Yeah, he's like yeah. about that life. He hears the crunch in the distance of a snap of a twig. He hears a leaf and he knows somebody's close. He jumps up and says, Rouse, boys, the law is on us. <laughs> it's like George Clooney <laughs> and no brother where I That's how I'm seeing right? it right now. It's exactly That's him. exactly. So he shouts to his men. The men, they're used to Bill Miner at this point, being like the old guy. So they trust him. They're like, oh, he must know something. He, it was his idea. Mm-hmm. So they all scatter, right? And they're, he's like, no, don't run. They got guns. <laughs> Of course, the law does what the law does, starts firing. Bill Miner, because, you know, he doesn't want to go down, he's willing to fire back. But remember, he doesn't hurt anybody. Right. That's his code. Right. So he's firing just to scare. He's just bang, bang, Yeah, bang, into the sky. Bang. Yeah. He's shooting trees, the dirt, anything, just to <laughs> let people know, so that, you know, they might get shot. And that's enough for the law to back off, but not enough to stay away. Yeah. They eventually close in. They shoot one guy, take out another, and they take some, they hit one guy in the knee. So everybody's like pretty banged up, except for Bill Miner. They get arrested. Bill Miner looks at the cops and says, well, I guess you got me, boys. Aww. Right? He's just so George Clooney about it. Yeah, anything. totally. So the Pinkertons there are on the scene. And they, of course, are the Pinkertons. So they've got technology working on their side. They have these photographs that have been like sent around the country so they can identify this person. They have a caption on it. And he says, hey, are you Bill Miner? He's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, he says, like, you know, I'm George Evans or whatever. He, he lies about his name. And then Pinkerton's like, hmm, well, look at this photo here. And he says, he just reads the caption while he's staring at him. He's like, Bill Miner, California's train and stage robber, alias William Morgan, Billy Morgan, George Anderson, Sam Anderson, California <laughs> Billy, Old Bill, Bill Bud, George Edwards, G.W. Edwards, escaped from the new Westminster Penn penitentiary victoria british columbia and just staring at him the whole time bill miner the old gentleman batted himself just kind of grins and goes that's me oh <laughs> so he's then tried convicted and sentenced to 20 years in prison oh you had asked man. earlier at this point he is 65 years old wow i had done the math on this one so i yeah. have an answer for you 65 65 facing 20 years to life which Ouch. is essentially life yes yeah so in prison he keeps a garden a local detectives would visit him and like they would swap stories. He just loved talking to Bill and Bill was like basically giving him stories for a book that he planned to write. Yeah, yeah. The two of them just have a good old time. So he and an old aging lawman just talk mm-hmm. about the good old days. And Bill Miner tells him about his code, about how he never killed anyone. He only ever robbed the corporations. And the detective's like, oh, that's very decent of you, Bill. And now 
Meanwhile, Bill is trying this whole time to get out of prison. He keeps breaking out. So he's talking to the detective, but it doesn't change who he is. He escapes from prison three more times. Get out of here. Each time he is recaptured in just a few days because he's in the South. And I don't know if you know anything about the South. Where they put the prisons is always in pretty much next to a swamp. Yeah. You're not oh, yeah. getting out of a Southern And you don't want to go cutting through there. No. no if no, the no. swamp doesn't kill you, what lives in it will. Yes. So and now he's sitting there. Bill Miner, the, this is... And we're in the year 1912. We've passed just another year. Bill Miner makes his final attempt to flee. Mm -hmm. And he uh, makes it out. He escapes. He gets about 20 miles from the prison farm, goes through a swamp. They've got a little, like, John boat. He and the guys he busts out with. Uh -huh. Now, they're trying to get going in the swamp. But as I told you, it's dangerous in a swamp. They capsize the boat. Oh. All of them go into the water. It's this brackish water. It takes a big old mouthful. It's terrible. Everyone's, like, getting sick on the water. They swim out of the water that they've after they've capsized the boat. They step into the mud. They're slogging through it. <laughs> Their boots are going through the mud. All of a sudden, they hear that familiar. Hur, 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 oh, hur. hound dogs! The bloodhounds are on them. The hound oh, dogs, the man. hunting dogs. They got both hunting hounds and bloodhounds rather coming up off off their trail. Bill Miner knows they ain't getting through a swamp yeah. not with dogs on them. So he just. Grins and stays there and waits for the authorities to catch up to him. When the authorities get to him, he just looks at him and says, guess I'm getting too old for this sort of thing. <laughs> now, I don't know if he Danny actually, Glover. Totally. That was exactly what I thought. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if he like pretty much was the first person to say, I guess I'm getting too old for this shit. But he was the one to say it back then. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was the one. Because, you know, yeah. he, had the, he had the hands up. So I'm going to give him, I'm he's, getting too old for this. He's the E-40 of the Wild West. Right? I'm telling yeah. you, the Gentleman Bandit, the Great yeah. Fox, my man. <laughs> so uh, we're in September 1913 when Bill Miner finally slips the mortal coil and escapes the law for the last time. Mm. He had died from gastritis from the swamp water he swallowed when he capsized oh, the boat. Oh, wow. Yep. And uh, many folks have kept his legend alive up in Canada because that's where they believe he buried his hidden booty of bearer bonds. The bearer bonds were never recovered. So that's somewhere out there in the world, there are $300,000 worth of bearer bonds, which are now worth $10 million. So Interesting. good luck. They're somewhere in British Columbia, Canada. I'm uh, leaving now. Yeah. None have found it. It's still up there for grabs. Interesting. And that, my friends, is the story of Bill Miner, my outlaw folk hero. Nice. Nice. Elizabeth, what's our ridiculous takeaway? Well... I think my ridiculous takeaway is that I will respect a criminal who doesn't want to hurt people. And I like the idea that he's not taking personal funds from people. Yep. He does, however, continually break the social contract. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. But uh, it just makes me kind of think about how we have this myth of the West and this this like individualism and you know, the adventure. But the truth is, it was really like the the companies, the corporations yep. came in and just like soaked it. They so quickly took advantage of the opportunities out there. So people would come and they'd have a gold strike, but then the gold concerns would come in. Mm -hmm. People would get like ranching, but then all of a sudden you'd have the big ranchers come in and they put barbed wire up. Now no longer you have free ranging. Every time people were doing that, that Western idea yeah. of like, you know, being an individual, eventually some people would come together who had more money, more legal might and say, I'm going to take what's yours. And if you don't, you want to fight about it. Yeah. Bill Miner's like, yeah, I do. Yeah. Bet. Let's so fight while, about it. So while I mean, it. he's breaking the law, there's a part of me that just kind of enjoys that he's pushing back. He's, mm -hmm. you know, at least there's one force pushing back on that. So. And he didn't do it for the people. He wasn't quite like Robin Hood. Yeah. But yeah. he did it like with the people, I think is probably <laughs> think the better so. way. I think so. My ridiculous takeaway, Elizabeth, since you don't ever ask. I'm not, I don't care. You don't really care. <laughs> is ABC. Always be keeping to your code. 
<laughs> or you could say ABC, always be robbing corporations. Okay. Neither of those are acronyms, so just try to remember them. Think of them as mnemonics. That's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. I am Elizabeth Dutton. And I, I could be Zaren Burnett. He could be. I could do Stand that. Stand up straight. Okay. You can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and the Gram. Got a tip for us about a ridiculous crime you'd like to hear about? Hit us up. If you know you have participated in a ridiculous crime and the statute of limitations have been exhausted, <laughs> also hit us up. We love a good story. Email us at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by Robin Hood of the Airwaves, Dave Kustin. Research is by the world's most famous getaway artist, Marissa Brown. The theme song is by Thomas Majestic Lee and your friendly bandit, Travis Dutton. Executive producers are Ben Barabons Bolin and Noel Goldust Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.